Welcome to Working Dog Radio, broadcasting the bite. Uh, it's Ted. Eric and I make no bones about the fact that we love Dogtra. We've been using them even long before they were sponsors of the podcast. Uh, my favorite is the 1900S hands-free. I typically have the remote in my pocket and I just put the other remote inside my glove or on my wrist and I can use that thing all day long. It's fantastic. Doctor is going to continue to be a sponsor of the podcast and because of that, you guys get a discount. So if you head to dogtra.com, any unit over $200, you get a 10% off if you use the discount code WDR10. That's Working Dog Radio 10 WDR10. Doctor.com. Go get it. This episode of Working Dog Radio is being brought to you in part by RayAllen.com. RayAllen.com, your one-stop shop for everything dog-related. Not just canine, not just search and rescue, not just civilian sport, and not just pets. All of it. Everything related to a dog you can find at RayAllen.com. Be sure to mention the discount code WORKINGDOGRADIO for 10% off your next order. RayAllen.com for all things dogs. Man, we are stoked to have TrueScent back on the podcast as a sponsor. Train your explosive detection dogs with TrueScent Canine, not a pseudo. It's a simulant. Training aids available at TrueScent Canine. That's the letter K, the number nine, dot com, or 512-533-2040. If you use the code WDR15, that's WDR15, you get 15% off your next order of training aids, Accessories are excluded. Hit them up, truescentcanine.com. This episode of Working Dog Radio is brought to you by Hits Training and Consulting. Next year, August 13th through the 16th in Chicago, Illinois, the number one police canine conference in the world, hands down. The most amazing instructors there. Wait till you see the vendor show. If you thought last year was big, you haven't seen anything. There's going to be vendors from every facet of the canine industry, giveaways, everything you can think of, great times during the day, great times at night. Ted and I will be there, Working Dog Radio booth, going to have a good time. Hits 2019. Don't wait. Register now. Hitscanine.net. Any working dog handler can tell you these dogs find magical and magnificent ways to hurt themselves. Hell, half of being a handler is keeping them from hurting themselves. Much like maintenance training, care and upkeep is an important ongoing duty of any working handler, no matter if it's military, law enforcement, search and rescue, or sport. I had a dual-purpose dog at the kennel that we were training that had a hot spot from a food allergy, and it was clearly bugging him. We had to continue working this dog. I didn't have time for him to take off. So our vet wanted to put him on some anti-inflammatory, and I'm usually pretty anti-med unless it's absolutely necessary. If you remember from the Janet Baker episode, certain medications will cause problems with detection, and I ain't got time for that. I found a product called Quick Term from the people over at VetCare. I used this spray once a day for a week, and it was gone completely. We had another dog get a puncture wound during a track on his chest, and it probably needed a staple, but it was in a weird area. So I clipped a fur around it and put this on there once a day for about 10 days and it was like it never happened. This isn't a Me Too product and it's not relabeled. It's specifically made for dogs and horses. Nothing like it on the market and it works on wounds but it also takes care of skin issues like flea dermatitis, hot spots like I mentioned, lick sores, granulomas, pad injuries, and the dreaded happy tail which causes the back of your patrol cruiser to look like the OJ crime scene. It's a patented formula with a lot of science behind it. This shit really works. Due disclosure. I got tagged pretty bad and needed to get sewn back together a couple months ago. 
and I may have used it on myself and it works great. The stuff is also temperature stable, so you can keep it in the patrol car with all the rest of your first aid supplies in the summer and the winter, and it'll help prevent small issues from becoming larger ones, and it'll keep the admins happy because the vet bills will go down. Head over to vetcare.us and use the discount code 10WDR, that's 10WDR, and get 10% off. Get your working dogs working again and quicker with QuickDerm. Eric here. You know, one of our most popular episodes of Working Dog Radio is our interview with Cameron Ford. Cameron, the uh, Naval Special Warfare trainer on the West Coast, trained and handled dogs all over the United States. He has since moved to Las Vegas and joined up with the team at Silver State Canine. If you follow them on social media, you'll see that place is state-of-the-art. It's like a uh, detection dog playground. I'm really super jealous of that place. Silver State Canines holding a bunch of classes coming up, man. Chance to learn from the best in the business. Cameron's knowledge of dog behavior is off the charts. May 6th through the 17th, the Detection Dog Trainer class. Chance to go out there, learn how to be a trainer from those guys. Silver State Canine, May 6th through the 17th. May 30th and 31st, they have a canine handler explosive and IED familiarization course. If you're a bomb dog handler or bomb dog trainer, this is the course for you. Learn everything you need to know about the commercial military-grade explosives, including safe handling of training aids. May 30th and 31st. June 3rd to the 7th, a nose scent work trainers class. This is really cool. If you're into teaching dogs how to find stuff, dogs that you don't think could actually do it, dogs that could compete in nose work competition, this is the class for you, June 3rd to the 7th. Canine Supervisors course, September 23rd to the 25th. We have a lot of supervisors thrown in to the canine unit because they're a sergeant or lieutenant and they don't know anything about it and they're making critical errors. September 23rd to the 25th in Las Vegas, SilverStateK9.com is the website. Check them out on social media, SilverStateK9. Cameron Ford and the folks over there just waiting for you to come out, doing some great stuff. Don't forget, check them out, SilverStateK9.com. Hey, guys, it's no secret here that we love e-callers on Working Dog Radio. In fact, we love our dog ones. Are you utilizing yours correctly, though? Have you wanted to understand them fully? We cannot recommend this webinar enough being put on by Pat Nolan and Connie Cleveland Nolan on April 24th at 7 p.m. The name of the webinar is Electric Callers Forthright Discussion. You can head to patnolan.com, that's N-O-L-A-N, or onlineobediencetraining.com. The best part is if you can't watch it on the 24th, it will be in the downloads in your library and you can have access to it at any time. Sign up starts April 10th. Again, that's Pat Nolan, N-O-L-A-N.com or onlineobediencetraining.com. Go hit them up. Hey, everybody. We are back. Another great episode of Working Dog Radio. This is Eric Stanbrook coming to you from Ohio. It's been warm today, actually. And as usual with me is my partner, Ted Summers from Tulsa, Oklahoma. Ted, what is going on? Uh, not a lot. I got to handle school finishing up. Uh, I got a week break, which... Uh, this is about the first week break I've had since Thanksgiving. <laughs> so that's awesome. Uh, I got a team going home to Kansas, which is going to be good. They're uh, going to be prepared. They're ready to go. Other than that, uh, I got four dudes starting the week after. So uh, yeah, more of the same. We're catching up on tracking. We've had insane rain the last couple of uh the last five days it has rained like rainforest rain and where we normally track your ponds so i'm not training duck dogs so i don't know what to do <laughs> hmm. 
it's yeah, been right. um, it was today was weird, man. It was it's been getting warmer. It's not um, like summer weather, spring weather. It's not going to be consistent, but uh, it definitely. I could tell. I could um, tell it was a nice day today. I was walking around without a coat on. So for Ohio in March is pretty good because March used to be spring when I was a kid. Now March is winter still. <laughs> so, but uh, I got a couple dogs coming in from Europe. I've got um, you know getting ready. I'm leaving this weekend for an HRD seminar in Colorado, right. and coming back. And then we got um, Blue Line coming up. So the Blue Line Seminar in Pittsburgh, if you're not signed up for that yet, it's going to be a great one. Make sure you guys are getting on that. Um, other than that, you know, some mixing some pet dogs. I got, a, I got a toy French bulldog with me right now, four months old. The dog weighs five pounds. <laughs> I saw that. <laughs> Picked her up. She's cool as shit, dude. She's, um, she's actually, uh, she's a Frenchie, so she's obnoxious, but uh, she makes really weird noises. And, uh, but she's learning quick, like really quick. And I actually have been using her to teach the girls at the daycare a little bit more about dog theory and learning theory and puppies and luring and all the other stuff. So it's been fun. I, I haven't minded it at all. What, uh, what's going, uh, what do we got going on with HRD? Uh, so we're going to be at Blue Line 23rd through the 25th of April. Uh, and then before that, you guys are going to be in Castle Rock, Colorado, which by the time this airs will already be done. After that, we have Pittsburgh, and then we've got Hits. And then after that, we have, uh, or in between that, I'm sorry, we got Bartlesville. Uh, Bartlesville, Oklahoma is April 1st to the 3rd. After that, will be West Virginia and Philadelphia is in there somewhere. Oh yeah. Philadelphia. And then also I think Ray has started to shore up some dates in Florida from what it sounds like. So we don't have actual dates yet, but those will be coming up. So by the time this one airs and we record during this time, when this one airs, we'll have dates for those and we'll be talking about when those will be. Cool. For sure. Sounds great. Where on social media are you at and us? So I am Ted underscore Summers on Instagram. There is working underscore dog underscore radio for the podcast. And then Torchlight K9 letter K number nine. And then working dog dry goods as well on Instagram. Same things on Facebook. And you are where? I'm at VanSK9, V A N E S S K9 on Instagram. And Vaness Canine Academy on um, Facebook. We also have our high underscore risk underscore deployment underscore canine. It's right. our HRD Police Canine. And don't forget our Patreon, Working Dog Radio. We put a lot of really cool scenario stuff up on Patreon. We got exclusive content, exclusive patches up there, things you're not going to get anywhere. Uh, check us out, Patreon uh, or Patreon, however you pronounce it, um, Working Dog Radio. So we got a continuing with our pretty new, cool series we're doing on some military working dogs. Uh, we have a theme of guys uh, that seem to can't avoid getting blown up. So we're going to talk to uh, some handlers doing that. And we got another great uh, guest on us with us tonight, Alec Alcaset. Is that how you say it? Yeah, that's how you say it, man. Look <laughs> at that! I added a little <laughs> flair to the end of it and everything. It's pretty good. Pretty good. Alec, how are you? I'm doing pretty all right. How are y'all? We're doing good. We're doing good. Awesome, so awesome. Um, 
We were just down. Are you still in Texas? I am. I'm still in uh, San Antonio, Texas. Yeah, we were just down in San Antonio. It's too bad we couldn't have met up. We yeah, were just down there doing uh, doing some stuff. Yeah, I forgot where I heard that from, but yeah, I heard y'all were just down here. I liked it. I had a good time. You're driving around. We're just you know cruising around. We're like fuck, there's the Alamo. It's like in the middle, like right in the middle of downtown. <laughs> yeah. I was more than a little surprised about that, but we had a good time in San Antonio. So, Alec, we usually like to start out by the, having the guest tell us a little bit about his story, like where you're from and how you ended up in the military and the dogs and how we are at this point in the conversation. Okay. I'm, a, I'm from San Antonio, Texas, which is a coincidence of where, uh, where I'm doing most of my recovery at. I went to high school at Harlandale High School joined the military because honestly I had, a, I had one too many bad days at fucking Chick-fil-A and I got tired of it real quick so <laughs> I went into I went to the Marine Corps recruiter's office and the reason why I didn't join the Marine Corps was because they were going to ship me out of basic but I think like nine months later after I would go through the whole MEPS process and everything and I didn't I didn't really have that much time to kind of just like mess around for a little bit so I went over to the Army, and he got me into 31 Kilo, which is the military working dog handler. I mean, I was shipped off to basic two weeks later. Talk about the express service there. <laughs> right. Where would you do your basics at? I went to basic at Fort Leonard Wood, Missouri, and then I did eight weeks more at Fort Leonard Wood, Missouri for the MP portion of it all. And then I mm-hmm. headed down to San Antonio for 11 weeks uh, for canine school. So when you got in, you could sign up directly right in uh, as a canine handler as an MOS? Yep. I um I didn't have to do the whole military police thing first, uh, so they they called us like pipeline handlers, but just went straight into it without like, I guess kind of like earning that title. I mean, congrats, you were you were a police officer beforehand. I don't know. There, there was a lot. There was like a lot of controversy and heat that came with um, pipeline yeah. handler. You know, we've we've interviewed uh, a couple of guys on the show that were deployed with special operations units that were fairly high up in the cheer system that were either MAs or were some sort of law enforcement in the military that were in sort of that pipeline before it was there or were part of that kind of thing. And so I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing, but... You know, I mean, it is definitely being recognized within the military as a um, a definite, specific uh, skill set. I'll put it that way. I mean, those guys were sought out. I mean, when you listen to the interview you did with Benny, and when you listen to the interview we did with um, a couple of other guys, like th- those people were sought out for their skill set as a handler. So, I mean, it's not a bad thing for sure. It's a bad thing at all. I'm, I'm just saying, like when I first got to my unit, it was it was kind of rough because I wasn't that MP first. Right. Oh, okay. What did you have? Do you have any preconceived notions when you went into uh, handler school about dogs and how they work? So the most experience I ever got around dogs was having a German Shepherd when I was uh, about eight or nine years old. And then that's mm-hmm. about it. I never worked with dogs or anything like that. So when you what, what was it when you got there? Was it a little bit more work than you expected? It was because I didn't. So the MOS was so new that the recruiters didn't really have an answer of what exactly you would be doing. So from my recruiter understanding is he portrayed it as like a vet tech type of thing that I would be 
helping out like a veterinarian or I'll be working in a veterinarian clinic, just learning how to work with them and stuff like that, taking them out for walks, taking shots and stuff like that. I didn't actually, despite the name of it, which is kind of peculiar, uh, peculiar or however you say it, I didn't actually <laughs> know I would, would be actually handling the dog. So when I got oh. to my fourth, my first phase at the MP school, it was ran by other kilos, other dog handlers. And then that's when it hit that, I'm going to be working a dog, either finding drugs or finding bombs. Oh, yeah. all right. So, um, yeah, yeah. what what, what so. did they call what did they call the uh, MOS? Just 31 kilo. 31 kilo. A, mil- a, a military working dog handler, but th- there was no there was no other information beyond that. So when I asked my recruiter what exactly I'll be doing, he gave me information that sounded like a vet tech. Ah, uh, okay. So. Oh, really? That's so, weird. Oh, yeah. So hold on a second. So this is this is where you can <laughs> where you can help a lot for anybody listening to this that thinks that they're going to go into the thirty one k program. What are you actually going to be doing? I sure as hell didn't think I was going to be in the sandbox searching for IDs, <laughs> man. Yeah, that's what dogs are good at: finding shit and biting people. That's what their jobs are. So yeah. So you get through school, and where do you head out uh, right after that? I get out of school, then I head to Fort Drum, New York. That's my first and only duty station. Wow. Okay. So how long are you there? I was there for about, I want to say, two years before I deployed to Afghanistan. What'd they have you doing? Maybe a little bit over. What was what, that? What was your, what'd they have you doing there? They had me, uh, at first it was mostly like spraying shit until I got a dog. And then finally a dog came and I got Alex and then I was just learning how to be a handler at that point. How many, uh, how big was the kennel at Fort Drum? Or at, uh, yeah, New York. The kennels at Fort Drum is, I wouldn't say it's small, I wouldn't say it's large. I think we're, I think they are, are classified as a medium kennel. So about 12 to 15 dogs. That's not too bad, 12 to 15. So when you get there, they don't, they don't have a dog for you right away. They get you a dog. You do your workups, and how long before you deploy for the first time? In total, I spent a little over two years at Drum, uh, working on working with Alex and everything. It took us about a month, a little over maybe, to certify, and then we deployed. I think six months later. All right. So, um, wh- tell us about Alex. When you get him, what breed is he? What age? How big? What was he like? He's a German Shepherd. His age was around six or seven, maybe a little bit older. So from what I've been told in the program is that no one really knows how old Ted dogs are. And I'm sure you all have heard of what a Ted, Ted dog is. Ted with two is. Ds, not me. So tactical explosive detection dogs is what it stands for. Exactly. Alex was a Ted dog. And from right. my understanding and what from a, what a lot of handlers have told me is that when we got these dogs in, in our program, when they stopped the TED program, they kind of just quickly did some paperwork and a lot of them have birthdays on January 1st of whatever, whatever year. <laughs> and yeah. yeah. We get a lot of dogs in from Europe like that too. They're all born on the same day. They're all the same age. Yeah, it's like, how, how's everybody <laughs> born on Christmas? Give me a break, man. Yeah. <laughs> 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 exactly. Yep, yep, yep. Like, yep amazing yep, yep. how that works. You get them and what'd you think like uh how, how'd you guys gel uh to be honest alex was kind of an asshole he still kind of is <laughs> every, like like if you were to meet him he'll be the sweetest dog to you don't get me wrong like alex is a 
awesome dog, but he, yeah, he just has his asshole moments. And he was he was a big one to me. That's pretty funny. Every he, handler uh, listening to this can sympathize with that. Yeah. Was there was there any point in the workup training where you just kind of was like that aha moment where he just realized that you were the man, or or did you struggle the whole time you had him or worked him? I mean, no. That, um, I think after like maybe the tenth time I I brought him a Burger King nuggets, he he, he chilled out. <laughs> yeah. Yes. I mean, that, that's so all the truth. You know what I mean? That, that's how I built a that's bond pretty with that funny. dog. I mean, that's the thing. I mean, when. We sell completed dogs. Uh, by the time handlers pick them up, they're ready to certify and everything else. But I tell my handlers when they go home with their dogs, I'm like, look, don't play fetch. Don't do anything weird. All you're supposed to do is get the dog in and out of the car and feed them. Like, that, like that's literally all I want you to do. If you want to feed them chicken nuggets or whatever else, that's fine. Like, high-value food treats are always, always good. So, you're, I mean, you're completely correct. I mean, people come in and they're like, I'm going to give him treats. Then when I, to be honest, when I get asshole dogs in the kennel, and they're totally not wanting to, they're not wanting to work for us, or they're being shitbags or whatever else. That's what I do. I usually use Bill Jack, or I'll use something I got in my pocket or whatever else, or I'll use something I picked up at the gas station in the morning <laughs> that morning. But then all of a sudden they figure out, oh, this dude feeds me. So, no, nah, I mean, that that's a legit strategy, <laughs> that for sure. It, it definitely worked for well. Alex. I mean, he, he was he was already an awesome dog. If you told if you mm-hmm. told him to go seek or if you told him to bite, he would do it. He he knew he knew the game already. He just wasn't really too fond of me at first. I I remember uh, it was like the first day I ever like put a leash on him. I uh, I was walking him like normal, and you know it's just a six foot leash on a flat collar, and I stopped right. in my tracks to read a to read a text message. And it was about like maybe four seconds later that he went at the end of the leash and kind of jerked his own neck, and he turned around, and yeah, it wasn't fun after that. Surprised <laughs> you didn't use those other nuggets from where you used to work at uh, Chick Fil A. <laughs> They're better. They oh, are better man. nuggets. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. Chick Fil A. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I'm not going to. Yeah, right. <laughs> Sorry. So it's six months after we deploy, and what unit did you deploy with the? MP unit there. They attach you to somebody. So I got attached to a different couple, uh, a different type of units. Um, when I first got there, uh, there was actually two handlers going home due to like their own problems. Uh, so me and another handler that was deployed out for drum, specialist Castillo and his dog Lee, we had to certify within a week, uh, validate within a week, and it's normally a month-long validation time. But when we first got there, it was just learning the basics real, real quick. So we got there and everything, and everything was kind of chaotic. Um, because of those two handlers that were there, I guess they kind of, me- I, I guess they kind of messed up a little bit. So a lot of units didn't want to utilize us. So we kind of had to sell ourselves to different units. So just to wrap everything up, I worked with uh, 25th ID at a camp, and then I moved uh, to another camp which I supported 4th ID, and then I moved to Bagram, and I worked with the Czech, the, the Czech Republic, and their forces. Well, when you deployed, was it uh, wintertime or summer over there, or what was it? It was just the end of um, wintertime. I think we maybe had like two weeks of like in the 60s, 
and then it was it was hot, it was getting progressively hot really quick. Hotter than you were used to from Texas, or about the same? Uh, about the same, but after a month or two, it became beyond that. It got really hot <laughs> really quick. <laughs> so how how did you mitigate that with Alex? What was your did you have a routine with him to to kind of combat that? So we did a lot of center line drills um, when we weren't really doing anything, and we would uh, at my favorite camp. I was on the uh, the special operations side of the base, so there was not really a whole lot of rules to me. So I used to put on my plate carrier, and then me and Alex would run around the perimeter of the soda compound, and that, that was pretty much it. Uh, just keeping him conditioned, not keeping like I would feed him treats every now and again, but not to get him like too fat. And my my veterinarian that was there, uh, Captain Steger, she used to inject Alex with kind of like the I, I think they were like some type of steroid for his hips because he, he was an older dog and he clearly had hip dysplasia um, a little bit and then arthritis she said I don't know she was awesome but she really did take care of him so with all those things combined and everything he was able to adapt really really quick and I mean I'm not just saying this because I'm his handler but I think he was one of the better dogs in country. So you get moved around a whole bunch um, was it pretty much the same type of mission they had you doing or did it kind of vary each unit they hooked you up with it would vary each uh unit that they hooked me up with but my favorite people to work with were the czech republic so that was that ended up being the last unit you were attached to oh yeah tell me about that how will you go hook up with them is that bagram i assume yes sir how did they receive you had you had they had other uh, u.s dogs there before no, because uh, we, I think one of our guys in the kennels, um, Sergeant Smith, I think he was the one kind of branching out and selling us to different units. And then the the checks lived right across the right across the compound, so we ran into them quite frequently. And who who would have known that they actually went outside the wire pretty frequently on dismounted missions? And that's exactly what we wanted to do. So I think it was him that got us that relationship and it took off from there that's something that i think not a lot of people know is that especially people listening to this podcast there's a lot of other countries that were over there doing sort of the same stuff outside the wire that uh, a lot of our special operations units were too so what was the process like for you to go through working with the uh, czech guys so <laughs> The, so the, how, how the checks grow up is that they are required to learn a, a second language very early in school. And the most popular ones would be first is English, and the second, second best uh, that they do is German. So a lot of these guys were a lot of um, broken English speakers. So the way we set it up is there was... Um, their call sign was lion and then there would be line one, two, three, four, and five. And we would write on lion would request dog handlers and we would just attach, attach ourselves to the briefs. And then once we got to the brief, we kind of just got a feel for each other. This is what I can do for you. This is what I need from you guys. And then I'll get you to point A to point B safe. So the relationship so you start grew to- very, very quickly. Yeah, I, I would assume you started seeing a lot of the same guys all the time. Oh, yeah. It, it was a small group. So from my understanding, this particular 
check um, unit that was there, they're our version of the Rangers. So they were in that special mm-hmm. operations um, community and, and their own thing. So they they were very small teams and they were very, very close together. And me being attached to them, the, we just built a bond really quick. And there was even a JTAC, uh, JTAC's that did the same thing. They would get attached to them and then we would all go out. So it would be either me, the only American on the team, or it would be me and the JTAC, the only Americans on the team. So did word spread from the, to the other handlers around that it was a, a pretty good gig to have? Yeah, so so there was only, I think there was only six or seven of us in the entire country, and we had two camps and one base. So there was two handlers at the base, and there was one handler each, so there was only about four or three of us at a time running these missions with the checks. How were they utilizing you and your dog? Was it route clearance or they just had you back two or three deep and then sniffing certain things or how'd it work? So it, it all varied. So I've, I've went on missions where it was literally just a show of force. So we would just walk to point A to point B, then ride out. Sometimes there was intel missions where I would just search from point A to point B and then let them talk to the villagers and then point B to point C and then ride out. And then, I mean, on occasion, it would be a recon mission where I would get them point A to point B, um, let them do their recon, and then B to C and then lift up on out of there. It, it was it was really, really cool working with them. Um, with the American forces, we didn't do a whole lot of that to get so to have that relationship and be able to go outside the wire as frequently as we did, it was it was real cool. I wish I, I wish I could do it all over again. That that sounds awesome. That you you know that you're enjoyed it so much. You know, and with the language barrier or whether there was or not, and going out with di- different groups than ours, um, that sounds pretty cool. So we're gonna take a second right now, and we're gonna take a break and fill in. Here for our sponsors, we got to you know got to pay the bills, and we got great sponsors. So be sure to listen to what we got. We got some discount codes on there. Be sure to check them out. Eric here. Like many trainers, Ted and I go through toys with the hard, super chewer dogs we typically have in our kennel. So we need toys designed to withstand the grueling reality of high drive working dogs. That's where USA Canine Dog Toys excel. Their toys are made from an extremely durable rubber compound. They have reward toys as well as food dispenser toys, all made to last and are very affordable. All the toys are military-themed. Go to the website, www.usa-canine.com. Check out the grenade-shaped toys. They got the cherry bomb. They got a lot of other great things over there, military-themed toys. Here's the best part. A portion of all USA Canine proceeds go to support military working dogs and other veterans organizations. And that's freaking badass. www.usa-canine.com. Use the promo code K9PRO. Or check them out on Instagram at USA Canine Dog Toys. Hey everybody, it's Ted. Let's talk about training and conferences. We know training budgets are always tight, and that's why the crew from Hits goes the extra mile for you. Let's be honest here. There's no other canine training conference on the planet like Hits. It has now gotten so large that the 2019 Hits will be held at the largest convention center in North America. That's Chicago's McCormick Place. Experience matters when it comes to putting on a show like this and when it comes to police dog trainers. The guys who run Hits are still working police dogs, just like you. There's going to be three full days of training with five classes 
classes in session at a time. Toffers are going to range from patrol work and dog selection to case law to search and rescue to canine first aid and everything in between. They had 1,100 people in attendance last year in D.C. and are planning for more this year. And it wouldn't be a conference without the vendors. The McCormick Place has enough room for 100 vendor booths. You can meet the people that make the equipment you guys use every single day. The vendors make coming to hits an experience like nothing else in this industry. Plus the free stuff. Everybody loves free stuff. Last year, they gave away about 40 grand in cash and prizes from vendors. I expect Chicago to be bigger. So come join the crew from Working Dog Radio in Chicago during the week of August 13th through the 16th at McCormick Place in Chicago, Illinois. Now, I know handlers and I know you people wait to the last minute to do everything. Don't be that guy. Head over to Hits Canine. Dot net. That's the letter K, the number nine, to get registered and save money on your registration for doing it early. There's also information about the discounted hotel rooms. That's August 13th to the 16th in Chicago. If you didn't write it down, we got the link in the show notes. Hey guys, Eric here. If you follow Ted and I, you know that we've been traveling all over the United States doing seminars. Every time I do one of those seminars, I like to ask the handler where they got their dog. Every time they tell me Southern Coast Canine, I know we're going to have a good time. I know it's going to be a good dog. We have been seeing a lot of their dogs at a lot of different seminars, detection, dual purpose, new handlers, experienced handlers, guys that have gone back to them over and over again. Uh, We just did the Bravo 3 conference recently down in Daytona, and Southern Coast Canine brought out three green dogs. Like, they just got them off the plane from Europe, and they were bangers, all three of them. They killed the scenarios. They'd never seen any of that stuff, but their selection process is great. Check out their website, southerncoastk9.com. They're offering handler schools, trainer schools, supervisor schools. They got uh, a great relationship with Tripwire, so they're doing explosive stuff down there. Every year they do a huge detection seminar. Check out southerncoastk9.com. I've been really impressed, honestly, with the dogs that I've seen come from them. southerncoastk9.com. Good people, great facility. Check them out. Hey everybody, it's Ted. Let's take a break for a second. Let's talk about Dogtra. We make no bones about the fact that Eric and I love Dogtra. In fact, we've been users of them since long before we even started the podcast, and it's one of the reasons that we approached them to be sponsors of the show. We typically only want to have stuff on here that we actually use and that we can stand behind and endorse. Dogtra is one of those companies. They've been at it for a long time and are industry leaders when it comes to production of reliable, consistent training equipment for your dog, whether be poppers and droppers, whether it be e-collars or now they've got the new GPS one, which Eric has been playing with and he really, really likes it. So what I want everyone to do is head to dogtra.com. You get a 10% off of any item over $200 and you use the discount code WDR10. That's just like the initials of the show, Working Dog Radio, WDR10. Hit them up. Hey guys, Eric here. If you listen to Working Dog Radio or follow me on social media at Van S Canine, you know that I am involved in a wide variety of aspects of the dog world. I am a police dog trainer, pet dog trainer, I own dog daycare, and I am a pet owner. So I have a wide variety of needs when it comes to gear for the dogs, daily living things for the dogs, all kinds of items, training, anything possible I need. I go to one place, rayallen.com. Rayallen.com is a one-stop shop for everything dog related. 
anything you could possibly need, check them out, rayallen.com. They've been doing a long time. Great customer service, super high integrity at that place, rayallen.com. Put in promo code Working Dog Radio for 10% off your next order. Ted and I love that place. RayAllen.com. Get on there. Click everything you need. Ship it all at once. RayAllen.com for all things dogs. Yo, everybody, let's talk about getting a job. Coast to Coast Canine is hiring experienced full-time and part-time drug and explosive detection canine handlers. If you're interested, shoot Peggy Heiser an email at pheiser, P-H-E-I-S-E-R at C2CK9.com. That's the letter C, the number two, the letter C, the number K, the number nine.com. What you have to have to be eligible for this is a minimum of three years knowledge and handling detection or training experience with law enforcement and military and large breed high drive dogs. You got to possess a trainer certification from a state recognized agency or national certification such as USPCA, NAPWADA, NNDDA, or something similar. You also need to have a knowledge and or experience as an instructor or a canine handler with a state recognized agency like the Florida Department of Law Enforcement. You got to speak fluent Spanish and English. If you have all that, they're willing to give you a competitive wage and employee benefits. Again, that's P. Heiser at C2CK9.com. Highland Canine Training LLC. To all of my fellow LE Canine guys, Highland Canine should definitely be on your short list of vendors when it comes time to adding to your unit or replacing one of your dogs. Highland Canine offers green and pre-trained single and dual purpose dogs if you train in-house. But most importantly, they offer a full service canine academy with canine handlers courses, canine instructors courses, specialized advanced canine training, and canine supervisors courses. Jason and his staff of instructors have been there and done that in this game. They run these classes year-round, so go to their awesome website at www.tacticalpolicecaninetraining.com that's tactical police the letter k the number nine training.com and make your unit better we are back with alec our handler that we're talking to army so when we uh, we left he's over in bagram he's attached to the czech republic um guys so uh were there afghan nationals with you guys too Sometimes there would be. Um, they would, because of a lot of blue on green attacks, they were always placed in the front, um, and there would only be a certain number of them, maybe one or two or at max three. Did you ever trust those guys? I'm upset to say that, no, I didn't trust them. Um, and the reason why I'm upset saying that is because when I got hit, it was actually an Afghan soldier that put my head on his knees to make sure I didn't choke on my own blood. So at the time, no, I didn't because of everything that was going on and all the rumors and, you know, the, the, the sideline talk. But if I could go back, I would have trusted them a little bit more. Not 100% to this day, but I, I would have. We'll, we'll get into the, uh, we'll get into yeah, the yeah. event that happened to you. But the, um, that Afghan soldier you're talking about, had you gone out with him before? No, actually, and if I did, I didn't even know because I didn't really pay that much attention to them. I find that interesting that they, that you get so many different mixtures of guys that not working on a consistent basis, and they're just going, right. no, this is the dude you're taking with you today. Um, that that, that I, I can see why there's not a trust build built up, especially with all the stories everybody's hearing, things that they were doing over there and, and goofy stuff and their horrible tactics and stuff like that. So let's talk about... The day you got hit. You want to go through that story? Okay. Oh, yeah. 
So the mission started at around three o'clock in the morning. I showed up to where we met up and then we met up with the Afghans who were coming out with us. Uh, we were on a foot patrol. It was, it was a show of force uh, foot patrol. So there was not much really going on. Walk from point A to point B. And what's funny about it is that when we got hit, you could literally hear the trucks that we were actually going to. That's how close we were from just being done with it all and going back to base and um, eating dinner that night. Uh, we walked on a narrow road and I saw a young Afghan man coming towards us. I didn't want to brush up against them. I don't know if it's just luck or whatever you want to call it. I didn't feel comfortable with it. So I told the Afghan soldier like, hey, he needs to be searched. He didn't really fucking understand me. So he related on to my buddies and then three Czech soldiers came up to me. I pointed him out and I said, hey, I, I mean, I always volunteer to help because I, I really looked at those guys as like, you know what I mean? I always wanted to be as utilized as possible. They told me no, hang back and everything. So I hang back uh, a couple of feet and then all I really remember doing is bending down and grabbing a, a grabbing a cigarette because I'm like, why not? And then all the whole world just went upside down. There was a lot of heat. There was a lot of wind, and there was a uh, there was yellow and orange all around me. And it felt like you were riding a roller coaster. You know that that thick rumble up beneath your feet, just like ten times faster than that. And I hit the floor. God, I thought it, I thought it was my fault. I thought I hit. We missed an IED, and the guys walked in front of me, and it just so happened to be there. And then I I couldn't see around me, so I drew my pistol and pointed it in front of me, and I couldn't see in front of me. And then I I just yelled out, "I'm okay," one time. And then an Afghan soldier came in over ahead of me, and asked him what the fuck just happened. And he told, and he just kept on yelling out, "Suicide bomber, suicide bomber." And then that's when bullets just started flinging all around us. After that, the, the checks handled business, pushed the insurgents away, and then that's when the insurgents came and worked on me. Shortly afterwards, U.S. Army QRF came, a quick reaction force came to our aid. By then, the fight was already over with, and that's when I just basically waited to get medevaced out. So when, when it happened, because everybody wants to know what happened with Alex. Yeah. I heard him yelp one time when it initially happened. I, I do remember that. And then through the through the thick dust, he wobbled himself over to me. And when he was about shoulder shoulder length of me, he just plopped on the ground and just just panted a lot, just waited. Right there, could you see any wounds on him? Yeah, there was a lot of blood. Uh, his fur was soaked in blood. Uh, he he got hit pretty hard from there. I mean, he he didn't. Damn, I just took out my med kit and tried to. Mm -hmm. Obviously, I couldn't pack it correctly, but I mean, I did. I I put the combat gauze over from what the majority was spilling out, and just kind of just held it there, uh, just by the dead weight of my hand. I didn't apply no pressure or anything because I don't even think I could if I wanted to. So I just held my hand over it and just let it just let it soak. So when you're working him there, 
When it, how is he attached to you? Do you have a, was it a hand leash or do you have a bungee leash on your kit or was he off leash? It was a retractable um, hooked up to my uh, riggers belt and somehow the, it didn't snap at all, thank God. And he just, he, he was attached to me from there. You know, I, I've trained a guy whose dog got shot uh, in, in a building. We've talked to some other guys. I've talked to him around. Everybody says the same thing when the, when the bullets are flying, when the dog gets hit, how difficult it is to actually locate the wounds and the bleeding. Did you find it that way or was it that obvious? No, it was that obvious. I think I took the blast a little too well than what I was supposed to. I don't <laughs> think I don't think I had a shock moment at all. I think my <laughs> biggest shock moment when I got hit was me yelling out I was okay and then I just it, I focused really really good. I do remember that. So it, it was clear where he was bleeding from and it was clear what I had to do and everything just try to stay calm. I I didn't shake or anything from what I can remember. Maybe I was, maybe I wasn't, but from what I remember I took I took it all very well. Like where did you get hit? Everywhere, man. To be honest with you, um, I remember wiggling my toes as soon as it happened, just to see if I was. I don't know why par- uh, paralyzed was one of my biggest things. So I wiggled mm-hmm. my toes and realized they were working. And I kind of, I kind of touched my my crotch to make sure it wasn't hard because I always I always <laughs> heard stories of like you should always check that because yeah, because well. if it's erect, that means you're that means you're paralyzed. So I checked oh. that, and then that's when I started taking off my glove and seeing that my fingers blossomed with blood and then flesh and everything. And I remember taking off my vest and taking off my helmet and like, fuck, this shit's heavy. So I, <laughs> I don't know why. I just really wanted to get naked. <laughs> While you're doing all this, taking this off and dealing with this, this is when the insurgents then open up on you guys. Oh, yeah. Probably never even returned fire there. You just dealt with yourself and with Alex? I did. Right. I returned so fire until until my arm um and my my, my arm I couldn't it, my my body slowly started giving up on me. So there was a time mm-hmm. where I couldn't move my feet. I couldn't wiggle my toes no more. I couldn't feel my legs really, just pain. Um and then my arms started like the weapon got heavier and heavier and heavier to where my arms just kind of like flopped around. I couldn't move them anymore. So the only thing I could really move was my jaw and a little bit of my neck. Wow. QRF comes in, and then how how do they get you out of there? Really, they just stood by. So I, I think, the, from what I understand, the, 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 the dust-off team had a hard time locating us. I, and that's why it took so long. It took around 30, 35 to 40 minutes from the time the checks radioed it up for them to actually land and come and get me because there was that broken language barrier. Mm-hmm. U.S. helicopter coming? Yes, they did. Get you finally after a while, get on the helicopter. Does Alex go with you or they ship him somewhere else? No, Alex came with me. I, I was always told not to not to leave my leave my dog like that mm-hmm. if I was ever in that situation. And honestly, I, I wasn't, I wasn't going to leave him. I know there was talk of them sending a different dust-off team to come get the dog, but I, I wasn't going to leave him. There was no way. Now, had you guys ever worked on other people handling him or not? No. You know what? That's a that's a very, very important training mechanism that I think that we could bring to the military working dog um, community, other people. You know, 
a lot of a lot of handlers get a little butt hurt in our program of like the train the trainer or somebody what we call taking the leash away like it's mm-hmm. very disrespectful and you know I had the same mindset too as a private and somewhat as a specialist but when you really think about it yeah your dog needs to trust other people because in that situation like let's say Alex didn't trust nobody at all and he just fucking hated people except for me that's not really the dog you want in that situation because I mean he's going to end up killing himself and he doesn't even know it yeah yeah there's there are some we do it in the police world now it, there is some yeah. change in the mentality of that of trying to get other people to help you and handle the dog when possible and you know in situations that you hope never happen but here it is uh, luckily he was able to go with you so where did they take you to straight to the hospital on Bagram and from what I know I went straight into surgery um, they just kind of dealt with me as I went because I, I lost a lot of blood from what I've been told that my life was kind of kind of at risk let's go back real quick and talk about that Afghan soldier so you're there uh, before you get taken out and on the helicopter and let talk Tell the people how that worked out where he ended up putting your head on him. So he came over. The Czechs were too busy fighting the fight, and he came over because I, I was the only wounded one. I mean, there was four wounded, but three were already KIA. And he came over to me, and he, he asked me if I was all right. And I was kind of just spitting in the air, and it was just landing on my, landing on my neck and my chest and everything. And... He knew exactly what to do. He he picked my head up real gentle and gentle and um, placed it on his knees, and he he just told me spit, 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 spit. So that, I mean that's what I did. Yeah, yeah, I just I just spit. Where was the wound that was causing that? The one that hit my lip and took out my front tooth. <laughs> <laughs> one of my front do lower it, yeah. tooth. Yeah. Like what's going on there when you wake up? You. What do they tell you? Where's the dog? What's going on? I woke up with a tube down my throat in Germany, man. Um, from my understanding, I was on kind of like a life support system, uh, and they medevaced me to Germany quickly, within 12 hours, because of they had more life-saving tools than Bagram Afghanistan did, which was kind of unorthodox, but it was just something that needed to be done to save my life. So I woke up with a tube down my throat, doctor came in and realized that my eyes were open and he just started asking questions right away and I had to point out um, I either had to blink or point out my answer and he asked me basic questions like who's the president what year is it do you know what happened what's your dog's name what's your name Uh, are you married yes or no like just stuff like that how'd you do on those questions Oh, I knew everything. Yeah, I I I got kind of pissed off because like I didn't know why the fuck he was asking all these questions. And then I, it comes to find out that he was worried about me being like brain damaged severely because I guess my body kind of curled into that position. Like it, it it all curled up. He hmm. he he was worried that I was a vegetable. You're in Germany then at this point, and Alex is where? Alex is, is uh, at the at the vet place in Ramstein. Oh, so they shipped him in the same with you uh, on yeah, the same flight? So. Oh yeah, they medevaced us together. Oh really? I didn't that's get to see cool. him at all. Yeah, that's but pretty cool. He, he he was going through his stuff. So where where did where were his wounds? Where'd they end up being? 
Uh, mostly in his back left leg. I, I don't. It was just the grace of God that it didn't hit nothing like his head or his throat or any of his main organs or arteries or anything like that. So he was he was most likely going to be okay. Oh, he was for sure going to be okay. Like his injuries were bad, but they weren't life threatening. How long or did you end up being there in that hospital? It's 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 kind of the days because of how much allotted I was on, but I want to say yeah. I was there no more, no more than two weeks and no less than a week. What was your injuries? Oh, I I had a cage around my around my uh, my left knee. Uh, I, I think I think I had a rod in my femur at that point. I was in kind of like a marshmallow thing that kept me from moving my arms and my legs, like keeping me completely still. I don't even think if I, I could move if I wanted to besides my my uh, my right index finger. Yeah, man, I was all jacked up. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like it, man. Yeah. So pretty much everything was hurting. They did pretty good of keeping me sedated on Dilaudid. Like, I was always high and fucked up, man. So at what point do you find out, like, what happened? Like, uh, the, I'm sure you probably, or maybe you did know that there were KIA, some of the Czech guys there, or did you find that out later? Like your story here, is it coming from memory or is it coming from what they told you happened? So I do remember one of the checks and one of the dust off members um, pronouncing, all he said was, uh, all the U.S. soldiers said was, these guys are fucking dead. And I do remember that when I woke up in Germany but I didn't want to believe it, so I just kept it how it was. And I remember the doctor coming in while the tube was down my throat, and, and God, man, bless his heart, he didn't mean to, but he he came in, he was like, man, you're you're kind of a superstar. And I, I mean, I couldn't talk, so he kind of just showed me the article, and I read right there that there was three KIAs, and I knew exactly oh. who they were. Yeah. But that, that that was a shitty way to find out. Yeah, it's. I don't know if he thought you you wouldn't be bothered as much by it because they weren't U.S. soldiers, or he, maybe he just didn't understand the the bond that you guys had with them. Yeah, he didn't know. I mean, when I when I started like when I started crying, he kind of he kind of put two to two together, and he was like, "Oh fuck, he didn't know." <laughs> he was a really cool doc, though. I do remember that. So I mean, I don't I don't have any hard feelings towards him at all. I wish I could actually link up with him again. After your, you do your couple of weeks there, then where do they send you? They send me down to Walter Reed, Maryland. Yeah, we, we just interviewed a guy who spent some time at Walter Reed. Yeah. So your time at Walter Reed, how long were you there? Say, I would want to say like a month and a half, maybe, maybe two. Yeah, so at this point when you're there, are they trying to get you a plan to get out or are they saying, you know, yeah, so, so they were going through a treatment plan and they were going, right. they were going to try standing me up around June, July time of this year. And I just remember like, fuck that. No, like I gotta get up sooner. Like, I don't, I don't know what the problem is. Like bones don't, bones don't heal that slow. I know that. So I was kind of upset at first, but the doctors and the nurses and the, 
occupational and the physical therapists, they were all like, man, I, to be honest, if, if, if I can say this freely, I should have stayed at Walter Reed. I, I, I believe that my mom agrees. Everyone who that was by my side agrees. I should have stayed at Walter Reed and I should have went through their treatment plan. I think coming to San Antonio, not knocking on any of the doctors or physical therapists or occupational therapists here, but I, I'm a hundred percent positive I would have had better treatment and a better, better game plan at Walter Reed. They were just always on point, always. And I, I mean, the nurses didn't look that bad either. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Where so while you're at Walter Reed and then getting transferred to San Antonio, where is uh, Alex? Alex is finishing up his stuff at Germany, right. and he shortly got reunited with me three weeks later after me being touched down at Walter Reed. Awesome! You were able to have well, I don't know, to have contact with him while you were there, or yeah or no? I got updates. I got updates every day on them. Uh, we uh, four drum TDY temporary duty, a handler to Germany to accompany him. I wish they would have chose a different handler. Yeah, he, he was kind of watching over Alex and his recovery. Take a step back real quick, and you talked about your mom. How, how soon did she, did she know even before you left Afghanistan that you had gotten hit? So funny part is me and her talked. Five or six hours before before I got hit. What, from what she's told me, she got off the phone with me. Uh, she was hanging out with family, and then she got a phone call from the DOD asking her to verify my my birth date, my relationship to her. To her. So that was I can I mean I can only imagine that was a very hard phone call for her because no, I mean <laughs> she told me that she she yeah. thought I was. She thought I was dead because no, nobody calls and asks you to verify that information, knowing your son's deployed, if it's not for a good reason. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's not because you're getting an award. <laughs> Definitely not for yeah. the, not for anything like that. <laughs> yeah, they're they're not getting a check from the fucking government. Uh, yeah, so yeah. yeah. <laughs> as soon as you get up there, she flies up to Walter Reed. Oh yeah, absolutely. The the military really did a good job of quickly getting her uh, to Walter Reed. With all the paperwork, I guess there's a law saying that if, like, if this event occurs, then her job couldn't let her go, and she was still mm. to get paid while being by my bedside. So they took all they took care of that like right away. Like everything was super quick. I think when I arrived at Walter Reed, she was there maybe 12 hours later. So talk yeah. about that real quick. What, what? How does it for those of us who don't know when you're family members come there do they put them up do they stay at the at the hospital they have a whole setup for the family how's that work so there's this great program that i actually did a fundraiser for um it's called the fisher house and it's completely ran on donations so i mean anybody who's really listening could just go to the fisher house website and donate because that's where they put families of wounded soldiers um free of cost there's a kitchen there's um there's entertainment. There's new. There's a, a bunch of flyers of what they could do around the city. In the meantime, of you know, what I mean, do surgeries or whatever. And there's a lot of information. There's even transportation to and from the hospital that they provide. Oh, that's cool. So if somebody Googled the Fisher House, that would be pop right up. Yes, sir. 
See, that's pretty cool. I never knew that. I figured they might they did something, but I didn't know how it went, if it went off of just the military budget or um, but that's interesting that they do that. And it's as long as you're there they can stay? Yes, as long as you're inpatient, you can stay. Awesome. That's pretty cool. Yeah. So so their their plan was to get you stood up by the summer of two thousand nineteen. Yep, that's that was the and when, plan. When box. is this? Is um, this is March 14th, by the way. So you're not there. <laughs> no. <laughs> so what? What? What were the dates you were at Walter Reed? If I could tell you, I would, boss. Um, maybe August, mid-August to late late September, early September, or yeah, yeah, around there. Of of 2018. Of 2018. So they want to they want to get you up and you're like uh, no we need to be up a little bit faster than a year basically. Yeah, no, no one's taking care of my dog for that long. You know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I had to get back. To my how dog do you broach that? You just got to push him. You got to tell the therapist, listen, this is unacceptable. I need to I need to be up faster than that. So they got word that I was I was a San Antonio uh, native, and it just so happens that there's a. There's a hospital down here that does the same as Walter Reed. They even get some medevacs downrange straight to San Antonio. So they asked me if I either wanted to stay there or come to, down to San Antonio to finish out my treatment, and I chose San Antonio because I thought I would be closer to family and everything, and I would be closer to Alex because he was going to finish up his rehabilitation at Lackland Air Force Base. Right. So you get down there, and do you regret then coming back? Yeah, I did, because when I first got there, when I first arrived at Bamsey at Fort Sam, nobody knew what the hell was going on with me. The Like, when I arrived there, the room <laughs> the room was shitty. The A trainee even dropped me from transferring me to the, the toilet and everything. Jesus. <laughs> I don't know how you drop a fucking... Anyways... Yeah, the room was shitty. The doctors didn't know what the hell was going on with me. They didn't know my diagnosis. They didn't know my injuries. They didn't know anything. They were still waiting on paperwork and figuring out their game plan of what of how to go about my treatment plan. Did they send it by horseback? I mean, it does. It takes seconds, milliseconds to get that shit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There was a lot of frustration, and at the same time, my my mom didn't want to leave me because of how bad it was. Um, the the plan was for me to come to San Antonio, and then other family members would pick up, pick pick me up on like caring, caring for me, being by my bedside and stuff like that. And from what she witnessed, man, there was just there was just no way she could leave me. Even the even on the army side, they just weren't being proactive of how Walter Reed was. Like for example, my mom could say, "Hey." I need this and this and this to the army and out of their way, there was no barriers of what the army would do to get her that shit. But when we got to Bamsey, I remember my mom had to get to somewhere and the army gave her a bus schedule. Really? With, bus schedule. with, with two luggages and with, with two luggages and my son was all, also with her. So, oh. You know what I mean? It's yeah. Yeah. Tell me about it, bro. And like, it was. Just, I should have stayed at Walter Reed. So you're basically end up having to. Well, let me ask you this because we talked to some other people about this. When you're there in San Antonio, then was there, there what I want to call it, their 
what they their plan or or how they were going to do things just involved a bunch of medicine medication so it was a bunch of medication and the doctor kind of looked at my chart and says you know like i don't know why you're not standing up now let's try it and i think i know the and at first i was all excited like yeah fuck yeah like stand me up like let's do it so i did all that but i think now i realize why Walter Reed was doing what they were doing because my foot was so large. My left foot was so large that I couldn't fit in a shoe. So San Antonio taught me how to walk barefoot, which I think is the cause of my developed hammer toes. So right now on my left foot, I have I have what's called hammer toes, and which means like from all my toes curl up like a claw. So every time I take a step, it pushes. And it's painful. So now I have mm-hmm. to do another surgery to involve pins being placed in my toes to fuse them straight. And I think what Walter Reed was trying to do was make sure the swelling went all the way down so my foot could place in a shoe so that that wouldn't happen. When is that surgery scheduled? <laughs> it, it hasn't been scheduled yet. Yeah. So <clears throat> you're up. They got it's you up um, barefoot and... You said, did I hear you say earlier you're jogging now? Yep, I, I taught my, I taught myself how to jog because I haven't. I, um, again, here there's what's called the CFI, which is the Center for Intrepid, and that's, it's supposed to be like the best physical therapy in all of America. But I haven't seen those guys since November. It stopped being on my schedule for some reason. It just dropped me, and instead of reporting to formation in the morning and then going straight to my room to sleep and basically collect welfare, I started going to the gym and I started teaching myself slowly how to learn that movement of how to jog and stuff like that. So I got myself to jogging and walking more proficiently and, and researching different, um, different, what do you call it? Braces for my toes and different shoes and different, um, what do you call it, insoles for my shoes that could accompany my hammered toes. You need to talk to the guy we just interviewed. He he, he can help you. He's an SF guy that uh, lost both legs and has contacts with those people in, in that community that make those. And uh, when we're done with this, I will make sure that you have contact with him so that you can uh, get some help if you need. But uh, that's, uh, you know... It, as much as it sucks, and I hate saying this, but your story is not unique, and that fucking kills me. Dang, man. So how See, much metal do you have in you now? They they average it 30% of my body is shrapnel metal. Jeez, really? Fuck. <laughs> that stuff's just going to work its way out, they said? Yeah, I've had a couple of pieces fall out on me. <laughs> That's weird, man. That part fascinates me how it works its way up to the skin, and... Blink falls out. Yeah, it's crazy. So, it looks like a, it looks like a blackhead at first, and you mm-hmm. just kind of pop it, and it's just like this weird piece of metal. <laughs> what? Um, that's a you know parlor trick. You could be at the bar and go, I bet, I bet I could squeeze this, and metal could come out. Bullshit. Buy me a drink. I'll prove it. <laughs> I haven't tried that one yet. Yeah. So uh, are your the legs right now held together with some pins and rods? Nope. Uh, well, except for my femur, it has a rod in it, and then I have a plate on my forearm on my right. Um, and 
they said that I'll be eligible for the for that to get taken out a year post blast. So, um, yeah, it'll eventually get taken out. Oh, that that's good. Yeah, because the femur ain't no freaking joke, man. You got to get that shit straightened up. So, where are we headed? What uh, you're still considered active duty? I am. And what what do you think your plans are? My plan is to be able to pass a PT test by August, and then return back to duty. If not, I'll. Did Alex get retired? Oh yeah, he's on my couch right now, boss. <laughs> yes, I like it. That was was there any pushback on that, or was it, that was a pretty easy deal? No, uh, there was no pushback at all. When I was in Walter Reed, a lot of a lot of uh, higher ups from the Pentagon actually visited me and helped that expedite very very quick. Mm-hmm. So thanks and, to those guys. That's is he still a dick? You said no, he's chilled out. Um, we had one incident. <laughs> But that's not not with me, another small child. But that uh, he, he's been he's been good ever since. Is he getting is he getting fat like everybody else when they retire? Unlike me, except for me. <laughs> I was like, what? Wait a minute. <laughs> yeah. Yes or no? Yeah, yes and no. Um, he does have the occasional slice of pizza every night. That's um, okay. But we go. We, we go we go camping a lot and we go to the park mm-hmm. really really frequently. Being retired so means I, you can eat pizza. You don't have to out anymore. Like that's the that's rule. Right. You don't have, you don't have to out <laughs> and eat pizza. So <laughs> <Or> chicken nuggets, <laughs> right? How career started? We um, I think I cut you off earlier. So when you in August, if you pass that PT test, then you plan on retiring after that? No, I plan on returning back to duty. No. Oh. That's awesome. And is there any doubters? Oh, yeah. There's there's been doubters everywhere, man. People are saying I'm not going to be 100% again. People are saying this. People are saying that. I don't think these... I I, I mean, I I take it for what it is. Yeah, that might be your experience and everything, but, I mean, I'm I'm a fucking bull, boss. Like, I don't don't know. It's just part of my nature. Yeah, I mean, there's guys... Like, we just interviewed a guy who went back to active duty with prosthetic legs. I mean... It's, legs, yeah, two actually. of them, right? It's, yeah, it's not a it's not a death sentence. You can, if you have the um, perseverance and the will, you can do it. I, I fully believe you can do it. You plan on trying to stay in the canine? Oh yeah, there's actually these kennels. Um, a first sergeant contacted me about two or three weeks ago out of D.C. and he's really interested of me being on his team. And I mean that, that I mean you really talked me into it there. Um, and that's all I really needed. So I'm, I'm aiming towards DC, um, my next kennels. No, oh, up in the awesome. beltway there. You going awesome. up there and rubbing elbows with all those guys. <laughs> yeah. All right, man. So, uh, your story's crazy, dude. It's really crazy. I'm glad that Alex is sitting on your couch though, man. Everybody's going to like the fact that he made it out of there. And uh, how old do you think he is now? I would say about nine or 10. Yeah. It's really hard to tell because he, he's still he's still active, man. Those three legs don't slow him down at all. Yeah, is he getting the um, gray beard? A little bit, yeah. Not too, not not as bad as you would think. Um, nine or ten year old chefs usually get. Mm-hmm. I've seen some dogs uh, Malinois at four years old are completely white in their face. I have a less than year old female Dutchie that has a beard already. 
I mean, she's going a, great a white already. one. Really, she looks yeah, like yeah, Howard yeah. Young, but yeah, seriously, <laughs> yeah, Howard's gonna hear something. Like, what the fuck does that mean? No, seriously, like yeah. no, high pat, high pat is like little white faces already. So yeah, that's crazy. Uh, she's probably seven, and they lied to you. Born on Christmas, right? Seven she's years seven and, and fourteen pounds. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Shit happened. All right, man. So what what does your day to day look like then? I wake up, I go to my formation, I work out in the morning and whatever appointments I have that day I go to. If I don't have nothing I kinda just piss off at home and hang out with Alex. Do you have other guys there like minded like you that are wounded and trying their best to get up and get it back? Oh, uh, there's there's this one guy that like I'm I'm pretty cool friends with. His name is uh his name is Umar Khan. He he's out of uh the old Ironsides out of Fort Bliss. And you guys got a pretty like-minded uh, pathway? Well, he's actually getting medically retired, but he's still a cool guy to hang out with. Yeah. he um, His injuries come in Afghanistan as well? No, they came. Uh, he, he got into a real bad car accident. That, that's the majority <laughs> of the guys here in the um, in my uh, warrior transition uh, unit. I, I think... From the best of my knowledge, I'm the only combat-related one in the battalion. No shit. The other, the other SF guys and Rangers and all the like special operations, they kind of have their own chain of command system they go to. So I don't, I don't really get to see those guys a whole lot. But I, I mean, I'm sure they're here at combat-related uh, as well. You're looking forward to going back to active duty. You got Alex back on the couch, and hopefully you're gonna, they're going to assign you a new dog, which would be awesome. So you'll have the one at home that eats chicken nuggets and plays fetch, and you have the one that finds drugs or bombs and bites shitheads. You know, man, this has been a very interesting story and personal, too, because before you deployed, uh, Alicia sent you guys some stuff, um, you and Alex, and um, so... When we heard about everything that happened, like everyone was kind of like, oh, fuck. Like, you know, we all kind of panicked and were, you know, like super worried. So this interview has been kind of like a full circle type of deal for everybody involved. So it's been super fucking awesome, man. We appreciate it. I appreciate you guys too giving me time to get my story out there. By chance, have y'all seen the picture of me? Yeah, no, Alicia showed us. Uh, well, I, I guess I should ask which one. <laughs> the, 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 the all the the all bloody and famous one. But if you want us to share it, you can. But I mean, because she's gonna ask you for one that is, you know, like, oh, which one do you want us to share for the for Instagram and everything else? But I mean, no, I I don't know that I've seen that one actually, Eric. Have you? No, I've seen the one with you uh, and the dog getting your purple heart. Right. Yeah, that's the one um, I've seen too. No, I, honestly, y'all would, y'all would know which photo I'm talking about. I'll send it to y'all through uh, direct message. But, yeah, I mean, yeah I think, do that. I think it's a cool photo. Yeah, do that. But, man, you know, we super appreciate it. And uh, be sure to keep us up to date on, you know, what happens. And when you go back in August, PT test goes. And, uh, man, we are super grateful and super happy that you're here that Alex is on your couch being an asshole <laughs> <laughs> I right appreciate on. you guys too man. right on no problem man alright well thanks we'll see you yep. take care you too 
Talk to you soon. I want to take a second to talk about equipment selection for patrol work. One of the most important aspects of teaching and maintaining patrol functions is your equipment. Proper equipment selection and fit makes all the difference in the world when it comes to creating and maintaining patrol and sport dogs. This episode is possible in part with support from Arno at ALM Suits. Because of the importance of this equipment, I use ALM Suits exclusively. I've owned one for about five years and use it almost daily at the kennel and have caught thousands of dogs and tens of thousands of bites. Arno was able to make a great fitting suit for my lanky ass and I couldn't be happier with it. Arno can take your measurements and make you a suit each and everything he does in his shop in Vegas. Between the top-notch materials and the handmade aspect, you're getting some of the best bite equipment in the world from ALM. The suits come in a full range of weights, from training weight to comp weight, which is what I use because I'm not a pussy and you shouldn't be either. He offers some Kevlar inserts to make the thinner suits a little safer and more comfortable, plus they keep your tattoo artist happy. He makes a full range of toys and reward tugs also. Be sure to hit him up at alnk9equipment.com that's the letter K, the number 9, or arno, A-R-N-O at almsuits.com Be sure to use the discount code WDRADIO for 10% off your first order tell him you heard it here now go get bit we love usa canine dog toys they are inspired by military objects and built to withstand the demanding use of professional canine handlers usa canine dog toys are made in the u.s from adorable super chewer rubber compound ted and i love them use them all the time go check them out at www.usa-k9.com use the promo code canine pro everybody loves stuff that goes boom and we couldn't talk about stuff that goes boom without talking about Tripwire Operations Group. They're some of the best in the industry at stuff that makes loud noises and blows stuff up. Specifically for guys in this podcast, for if you're handling an explosive dog or you're a trainer of an explosive dog, they have one of the most well-rounded, ready-to-go kits in the correct amounts and odors for any national standard or state standard certification. Head over to tripwireops.org to check it out. They're headquartered in Gettysburg, Pennsylvania, and a group of first responders dedicated to serving first responders. They believe that the most highly trained and prepared first responders create a safer America. They prepare you guys and other first responders and military to protect our country by providing products, services, training, and relationships which together no one else provides. In fact, they've done several HME large hide courses recently, which is a really valuable thing for explosives handlers because you're not really able to get that much odor in one place at one time safely, and these guys do a fantastic job. Be sure to head over to tripwireops.org and check out the full list of classes they've got going on and have contact info there on the website. Again, tripwireops.org. You got your reasons, I got my wants. Still got that feeling, but I'm too old to die young now. Working Dog Radio was graciously granted permission to use this music by Brother Deeg. Be sure to check him out at brotherdeeg.blogspot.com. That's spelled brother, D-E-G-E.blogspot.com. Be sure to buy him a beer at Amazon, iTunes, or CD Baby, or anywhere you stream your music. Working Dog Radio was edited and co-produced by Alicia Brandt.